This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, and you are definitely going to want to stay tuned for today's episode. I know I'm personally excited to get to have this conversation with someone who means so much to our church, Pastor Jimmy. Today's guest is Dr. Jack Graham, currently serving as the pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And he's fondly remembered around here when he served as our pastor. And I know you know that better than most, how revered Dr. Graham is, right? Yeah, no question about it. You know, I've been the pastor here for almost 11 years. And before that, we had a five-year period with no senior pastor. And before that, Keith Thomas was here for 15 years. And so it's been 30 years, Jack, since you were the pastor here, and I still hear about your impact. So I want to go ahead to our interview with Dr. Graham on longevity in the ministry. So Jack, welcome to the podcast. I would love for you to talk to us just a little bit about your family and about your church there in Prestonwood. Well, sure. My favorite subjects are really, and the family is Deb, my wife, 48 years. We were married as college students. Wow. She was a child bride for sure (laughs) uh, out at Hart Simmons University in Texas. And then God gave us three great children, all married now, Jason and Kelly and Josh, and they have wonderful spouses, and they've given us eight grandchildren, which here we are all these years later. We're grateful for the blessing of our family and all of our children, spouses are walking with the Lord. They're active in the church. They're right here. The grandchildren are here. So as the psalmist said, the lines have fallen unto us in pleasant places. Very nice. Thinking about our family, all three of our children were children in West Palm Beach. We were there from 
the hardest thing I ever did was say goodbye to West Palm Beach. But God was calling us to, to Dallas and Prestonwood, and that was 30 years ago. And now we know, of course, you can always look back on your lives. You see God's providence in reverse. And we know it's the right decision that we have been here, and the church has responded to our leadership. The church was very broken when I got here. The founding and former pastor just in front of me was forced out due to moral failure, and the church was young at that time. And most of us assumed that it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't succeed after after that scandal hit the church community but god healed us up and we began to grow we since relocated to campus we have two campuses three when you include espanol which i do fastest growing segment really of our region and, and our church is espanol so just all good things happening and deb and i now have watched our children grow up here the rest of their growing up years and and so 30 years come june i left west palm beach in 1989 that's hard to believe and I tell you, uh, Jack, I I tell you this all the time in personal conversation, but I love for our listeners to hear this. Jack was a pastor here 30 years ago, and I promise every single week, somebody in this community or in our church talks about something that happened when Jack Graham was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach. And so your influence, and, and I do think describing it as a revival is accurate because People are still talking about it three decades later, and I'm so grateful that as a pastor, you know, all of us get to stand on the shoulders of giants, and Jack, I consider you to be a giant, and you've been a giant encouragement to me for many years now, and I consider you a great friend, but you are a veteran leader. You've been doing this a long time. Jack, what are the best parts to you as you think about your ministry? What are your favorite parts about serving as a pastor? Never wanted to do anything but be a pastor. I, I believe God put it in my heart, even as, as a small boy, though I didn't confirm it until I was a, a teenager, that I was called to preach. And, you know, it always starts there for most of us, and, and that is just the call to preach the gospel, to, to preach the Word of God. So then that gets translated into your specific calling and ministry, and and I, I've never desired to do anything, be anything but a pastor of a local church. So that's what I've always done, even in college, while I was a college student, playing college baseball, trying to get my degree, young I told you we were married in college, so, and yet took a little part-time church. A good Sunday was, you know, 30 people, but loved it, started preaching, then had the opportunity to return to my home church in Fort Worth, where Dr. Fred Swank was pastor for 43 years. He's our father wow. of the ministry. Many of you know my friend, Dr. O.S. Hawkins. Oh, yeah. We were ordained the same night in 1970. So, my goodness, that was, what, 50 years ago. That's incredible. And, and then just started pastoring. I was first in Oklahoma, rural Oklahoma, southwestern Oklahoma, in a place called Hobart. And then in Duncan, Oklahoma, another church in Oklahoma, and then on to West Palm Beach. You know, the, the big advance in terms of our calling was when we went, left the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've been landlocked my whole life. I, I, never even, I, don't, I, I, mean, I, I thought the other day, I'd never, I don't believe I'd ever seen the ocean. <laughs> That's incredible. I've seen the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. But I've never seen the Atlantic Ocean. I've never seen the Pacific Ocean. And so we got down there. It was quite intimidating. You've got Palm Beach, all the, you know, the, the playground of the wealthy, rich, and famous. And then you got West Palm Beach and, and some of the things we talked about. But, you know, just began preaching and, and, and truly being a pastor and, and staying in one place. 
Some of it was because of the example of, of my father in the ministry, Fred Swank, 43 years, one place. I've always had the desire to plant my life in, in one place and, and, and serve a lifetime. And I can tell you, I, we've got a group of young pastors here right now in the Prestonwood Network from around the country. And I was telling them the other day, I wish I had this to do all over again. I mean, I wish I had another lifetime to do this because, you know, I'm 68 now and, you know, I'm, I'm never going to retire from preaching the gospel. There will be a day when I'm no longer the pastor of the church. And I don't know when that is at this point, but that day is coming. But and, and, and I'll be glad to do it because you need to hand off to the future. But the point I'm making is it's been not without its challenges. I, I don't you know, I'm not trying to suggest because I know a lot of a lot of pastors face crisis and challenge and and upheavals and chaos even but these now 50 years that i've been an ordained pastor i wouldn't want to do anything else with my life it's truly been the, the joy of a lifetime it's never been a job to me it's, it's it's never been a career to me it's it's always been a calling and it began deep within me as a little boy confirmed as a teenager and every day i get up to think that we get to do something that makes an eternal difference in people's lives every single day. That's the best kind of life. I say uh, one of our predecessors, Jimmy, at First Baptist West Palm Beach is, is Dr. Jess Moody. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was there 16 years before me. There was a pastor in between us. But so many of the things that happened before my time there in West Palm Beach was led by Jess Moody. He used to say, and I, I believe it's true, that the ministry, being a pastor, is the world's worst profession. You know, who would do this if you weren't called? The world's worst profession, yeah. but it's, it's, it's life's highest calling. Yeah, I and, love that about uh, you and Jess. And and I and I share that with you. And I, I, you know, one of the great things about you, Jack, you know, you've been in the ministry all this time, ordained fifty years ago, almost uh, married all these years to Deb. And so you're sitting here at sixty eight years old. You've led some great churches. You've preached the gospel around the world. You have a global preaching, teaching ministry through PowerPoint and through your church. Your your marriage is intact. Your integrity is intact. Your relationships with your children is intact. Your witness for Jesus is intact. And I can't tell you the admiration that I have, and I hope all of our listeners hear that, just your love for the church, your love for preaching, and your love for being a pastor. Hey, Jack, as you kind of look at your own life and maybe other pastors that you interact with, because you mentor so many of us, what do you think are some of the greatest challenges that pastors are facing right now? Clearly, we're seeing a decrease in uh, church attendance and interest, and we're all battling. I, you know, the biggest thing we're we're facing at Prestonwood is this this whole thing of even regular members and attenders are here about. I don't know. I see numbers from sixty seven percent of the time, so it's barely over half the time. So we truly have a moving target. And I've never been able to understand the whole fringe thing in church. I mean, why would someone come to church by, you know, five times a year? I, I, I can't, you know, be a fringe, casual member of a church. And, you know, especially today, there's no real, it, it, back in the day in, in, you know, small towns, there might have been some business advantage or community advantage to being in church. But, you know, today with, with a culture, and you see it in West Palm Beach, which, and, and I got a little taste of it in the 80s, where, where people don't go to church so the, the challenge always is is now more than ever to focus on on christ and evangelism sharing the gospel and being intentional about that because you're not going to get just kind of a natural cultural 
grow typically anywhere today. So the biggest challenge is is to stay focused on what God has called you to do. The old cliche, keep the main thing the main thing. But you know, I, I've always said that. You know, a church always starts with a mission, whether it's a church plant. Yeah, I'm sure you have church planters listening to this right now and, and guys just getting started. So the church begins with a mission, the heart of mission, the Great Commission, and sharing that. And, but if you're not careful over time, the, the mission can change to ministries. And you just start doing things for Christians. And it becomes, in some cases, worst-case scenario, a Christian club, and everything's for Christians. The, the focus internally you spend. And so what happens then? You start funding all the mission, the ministries, instead of the mission of the church. And then the next step downward in this progression is from mission to ministries, and then you get to, to maintenance. And you find yourself just maintaining the machine. And that can happen in a large church like Prestonwood. We find ourselves constantly in need of, of pruning back programming and, and you know simplifying and clarifying our mission. Because if not, you end up just maintaining and and funding what you're doing that really is not making a community or a national or global impact. And then from there, it's a short step to what I would call being a monument. You're you're just, you're a monument, a memory uh, to what used to be. So for for to me, I mean, the the worst thing that can happen, I've told the church here many times, that that if we ever start coasting, if we ever get in a position where we, we say enough is enough, that we are on mission until Christ comes again or he takes us home and, and, and we have no reason to exist apart from what Christ has called us to do. Jack, I so appreciate that. And just keeping your eye on the ball is a lot easier said than done. And I just appreciate your transparency and sharing just your own uh, at Prestonwood, you know, you're you're about as successful as anybody's ever going to be as a pastor, and Prestonwood's as big and influential as any church is ever going to be in, in our lifetimes, and yet you're saying, hey, this is something that you're grappling with. So I, I want our listeners to hear that no matter how big your church is or how small it is or how big or small your town is, these are things, uh, as uh, Ken Whitten once told me, I think that that uh, challenge grows, that tick grows with the dog. And so I don't think it really matters what size your church is. Hey, Jack, one of, the, one of my favorite things about being around you and being around your team a little bit is you've been able to retain a lot of your key staff members and key relationships for a long time. And that is a great testimony to your leadership and ability to build those relationships could you talk to me and our listeners a little bit about how you how do you do that? Well, it's several things. Leadership is relationship, and if you're going to lead a team and a church staff, then you you can't do that in isolation. And you you, you know I've always assumed responsibility to be a part of the lives. And, and if leadership is influence, and it is, and I I would add inspiring influence, it's is is the pastor's responsibility and accountability to to love and lead the people that God brings alongside of you as uh, your pastors and your co-workers. And so I make it my point, and we have you know a large staff here, but I make it my point to, as best I can, to know them, include them. And, and here's a simple thing, and obviously we pray together, we work together, we serve together, but i tell you something else that I think our staff would say is that we have a lot of fun together. And that's on the pastor to make sure that the working environment, you know, 
me, that's one of the lost secrets of church. People want to talk about church growth, and there's a lot of different things, but you know, a happy church, a happy congregation led by ministers that are enjoying God's work and enjoying God's people, that is a secret to me that, you know, that is very important. So we take care of our staffs, our staff wives and husbands. We include their children. We, we do things intentionally to build morale, to honor our staff. And me on a personal level, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm a Ranger fan. I have tickets. I use those ball tickets to take pastors out there with me and, you know, you sit at a ball game for three hours and, and enjoy things. So, and the other thing, of course, on a very practical level is, you know, we try to take care of them financially. And, you know, regardless of your church budget, you know, make sure, remember you're in the people business in effect and some people get bent out of shape if their staff budget or the personnel budget gets a little high but we're in the people ministry and and taking care of, of your pastors and your church leaders and your staff financially so they're not struggling they're not bogged down worried about how they're going to make ends meet as best you can is very important so i i would say to to pastors there make sure in your budget that and you know regardless of the size of your budget that you're taking care of the people who are working hard every day to to reach more people and if you have a good staff person pastor staff member truly they will pay their own way. If you get the right people there, they're going to reach people and, and just, again, in a very pragmatic way, they're going to bless your congregation. No doubt about it. You know, you mentioned earlier in this conversation about your friendship with OS, and OS Hawkins is somebody that I certainly admire greatly. And one of my favorite things, just from afar, uh, is watching you and OS have a brotherhood and a friendship that's really unique and special. And again, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time with the two of you together, but just watching it from afar is inspiring to me. Can you just talk a minute about how important and powerful that friendship has been in your life and in your ministry? Sure. You know, OS and I have known each other since he was Butch Hawkins. Butch Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's make sure that everyone knows Put that out there. Tweet that, boys. So, you know, but we met at church. He was saved when he was 17. He, he was just here on Sunday, spoke to our congregation, and he'd never read a Bible. He didn't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was in the Bible. His parents never went to church, good people, but they didn't go to church. He got saved at age 17. I was, again, behind him in school, but we became friends. We were called to ministry about the same time. We even double dated, and, you know, OS couldn't get a date, so I had to help him. <laughs> I'm sure he's and, grateful and for that. But, but nevertheless, when we started, we preached some of our first revivals together, literally. We would share the pulpit, and, and so it, we preached on the street together in Fort Worth, downtown Fort Worth. We preached in nursing homes, because we just wanted to preach. God had called us, and so that... That through the years, we got married the same summer. It's, it's almost crazy. We even got prostate cancer the same summer. Oh, wow. Plus, we catch each other diseases. <laughs> that was 10 years ago. But, and both of us survivors, so thank God. Amen. But the point is, that's been an intentional thing. And, and it's a rare thing, for sure, to have a friend for 50 years. I mean, think about it. Very few people have a, a close friend for 50 years and I mean I talked to OS this morning we were talking about an issue an SBC issue in fact so we've been able to bounce that he pastored in Fort Lauderdale when, when we were in West Palm Beach I got back to Texas before he did. He came on to Dallas. So it's a long-standing friendship. 
people today talk a lot about accountability. I, I truly believe we are accountable to one another. I can call him out anytime and vice versa. Uh, we keep each other humble, and there's a lot of trash talking. <laughs> I bet that's right. But the principle is this. You, you need friends in ministry. Ministry can become lonely. Being a pastor is not an insular position. Somebody says it's lonely at the top. You know, if, you're a, if you're at the top of your organization, whatever it is, and you're lonely, you're doing it wrong because you need to take people with you on the way and share the victory while you're there and, and certainly for uh, for us OS and I have, have shared a lot of life together a lot of love together and, and I'm grateful for that friendship I tell you what Jack what an inspiration and I'm so grateful to have you on the podcast today it's been a blessing to me I know that all of our listeners are grateful Preston Wood is a great church you are a legacy pastor and your legacy goes beyond uh, the people that you even know Jack because you have reached out through media through multimedia all over the world and I know that we all have a lot to learn from a man like you so thank you for taking time to be with us today my pleasure I'll talk with you I'll, I'll talk these subjects anytime I mean this is this is who we are. I say I say ministry being a pastor is not my life you know spiritually our life is in Christ and, and, and we have a life outside that pulpit and outside the church but I do say it's been my lifestyle and again I wouldn't want to do anything else with my life and I'm just grateful that men like you I mean I, I'm so excited for the church there under your leadership and the way you've taken it to a whole new level with the expansion of the church in the community and the impact. I love and celebrate every victory there that you're having, Jimmy. Well, I appreciate that so much. So just to sum up Dr. Graham's advice today, one, keep evangelism the main thing. Two, have fun. Three, make a friend. And it's been a great episode of Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.